0: After the Epiphany, if you are a church calendar snob, uh, yesterday uh, we reached about the earliest possible uh, festival of Epiphany as you can get, uh, which means that we have the earliest possible season after Epiphany, which means we have the earliest possible Ash Wednesday. How about an Ash Wednesday service on Valentine's Day this year? I'll be watching for who shows up for Ash Wednesday service this year. You can still get reservations before or after, 7 p.m., but uh, we have Ash Wednesday competing then, and then we roll right into Lent. Uh, and and uh, if we're honest, this little brief window between Christmas and Lent often gets overlooked. It's the pitiful part of the church calendar that we kind of uh, get back busy during and we don't really pay attention to, and it's a shame. Uh, Epiphany is uh, uh, thought of as the season of light and life. We have the incarnation of Jesus, and if we uh, get too called up in the year and miss Epiphany, we immediately go to uh, it's time to kill Jesus and, and really uh, get this anemic uh, kind of weak uh, theology of Christ and uh, of what he's about. Uh, if we skip past Epiphany, he really is uh, just a sacrificial lamb and that's all there is. And uh, Then why do we even need his life? He could have been killed with the slaughter of the innocents and would have done everything we needed. Jesus' is, life actually mattered beyond just his death. And uh, the, the festival of Epiphany and the season after uh, give us glimmers of how God revealed himself in the person of Jesus and how uh, maybe he's still doing that today. Uh, yesterday, if, uh, if we were a little more high church, we'd have had a Epiphany worship service uh, focused specifically on the story of the Magi in Matthew's Gospel, the story of... Uh, these foreigners coming uh, to bring gifts uh, to God in flesh and being received with welcome. Uh, Epiphany quickly pivots to our gospel text today, which is the baptism of Jesus, and it continues on down until we get to the transfiguration story. The story of uh, Jesus on the mountain literally having his entire appearance changed into radiating light uh, with the uh, somehow present uh, beings of Elijah and Moses uh, on display for Peter, James, and John. Uh, this is the season where jesus calls disciples and equips them this is the season uh, where we see that god is doing uh, something uh, through the life and work of jesus christ Uh, we 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 dive in on this first Sunday to the story of the baptism of jesus and i love that the lectionary uh, editors have paired this with the reading from genesis 1 that they did Uh, when god began creating uh, things were formless and void. Darkness hovered over the deep. And then Jesus, or not Jesus, Jesus is present, but that's a whole different discussion, right? The, the pre incarnate second person of the Trinity. We'll just, we'll just stop there. Uh, God, uh, it's worldview questions that we can have a lot of fun with coffee and donuts talking about. Um, God uh, begins this work of creating. And the work is to separate darkness and light. And he does this and then says it is good. Uh, we can get in trouble with metaphors of uh, dark is bad, light is good. Uh, we, we need to um, not make that our ever-present metaphor, but it is one that Scripture does contain, uh, and uh, it's especially present within kind of the worldview of the ancients. Uh, if you can imagine in a place where you don't have electricity and you uh, uh, live with maybe... Uh, some kind of more risky wildlife scenarios around you, darkness can be a frightening thing. Uh, and so uh, for uh, the, the time before God's creative work to be a time of darkness and chaos, uh, it's fitting that the first thing God does is uh, kind of separate darkness and light and give us day and night. And then it was good. We go through the whole creation story and uh, we see all these things that are good and it culminates in uh, God's creation of humanity Uh, And finally, he says, this is very good. Uh, The ancients uh, give us an explanation for uh, how things come about and what it means for us to be created in God's image, what it means uh, for us to kind of reflect God in the world, to be a source of order and goodness in the midst of a world that still felt chaotic. And Israel's story uh, is the unfolding of that drama for the rest of the Old Testament. How uh, can we look to God when things seem dark and hopeless? And God begins to make covenant with Israel, and uh, we see kind of uh, God revealed in the covenant with Moses, and the covenant well, back in the covenant with Abraham, and then the covenant with Moses, and the covenant with David. And we see God revealed His heart in the law. We see God's heart coming through in the prophets and the kings, uh, through the matriarchs and the patriarchs, through uh, stories of foreign-born women who would eventually be in the very line of Christ. We see. God revealing God's self in the midst of chaos and saying, turn to me and things will be good. When things are dark and scary, I'm light, turn to me. Uh, We know that that is not what they do uh, for a good bit of the Old Testament. Uh, they uh, turn away from God and they uh, turn on each other and chaos seems to reign. Uh, despite the goods of creation, we have the realities of sin. Uh, we have uh, functionally a return to uh, chaos and void, a return to a spirit of darkness and a longing for things to be made right, for the God who is a creator to fix things. And God promises that he will do this through the prophets and uh, 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 their revelation to to Israel, he says, I promise that one is coming. One like the Son of Man, a Messiah for Israel's hope. Wait for him. And wait they do. Uh, I think much like I would have been, they thought wait meant like give me a day or two not 400 years. We have this long season where things are utterly chaos, where uh, despite uh, an acknowledgement of God's reality, things are not good for Israel. Uh, If things seemed bad under Babylon, they get worse under Greece and Rome. If God seemed distant in exile, God seems even farther right in the middle of the Holy Land. It's chaos. And void all over again. And then God takes on flesh. He comes in the form of a helpless babe, and light shines. We were talking in Sunday school about uh, this beauty that God uh, spoke to these, uh, these Babylonian astro- astrologers. I almost got it mixed up with astronomers. One's real science, one's not. Um, uh, Through this very thing that uh, would distance them from God, he revealed himself to them in this light of the star. And then this light just keeps shining. People come to see this Jesus and they are transformed. They are changed. They, uh, they, they, They experience order and goodness and life and light. And uh, they've been waiting for so long. You can feel the, the, the kind of chaotic energy that, that may be felt the same way in Genesis 1 happening now as John's baptism uh, comes on the scene. Uh, people are showing up in droves. John is proclaiming that something and someone is coming and things will be better. Change your heart. Turn. Behold, the Lamb of God is on the way. And Jesus shows up. And Jesus shows up. To fulfill all righteousness, the text says. He comes and uh, John is rightly deferential. He knows there's something about this cousin of his, this Jesus who also had a miraculous angel announcement, this cousin who uh, we, we can't quite figure out how it all fits, but who is something special. I should be baptized by you. I'm, I am unworthy to untie your sandals and you come to me for baptism. And yet, Jesus does. He comes and uh, not only takes this water that is to cleanse us from sins, but to declare that uh, we, uh, we look to the God of light and we seek to embody righteousness. And this is uh, this beautiful, beautiful moment where he goes to these waters, declares this, and the heavens are opened. Heaven is uh, pretty well locked shut uh, for most of Scripture. The Old Testament's a lot longer than the New Testament. If you want access to the divine in the Old Testament, you take your offering to the temple, the priest mediates before uh, God for you, and then maybe gives you a word. Uh, Heaven is opened up in the presence of these people in the midst of chaos, and God speaks directly (laughs) in this moment. The Spirit of God descends on Jesus, and God the Father declares, this is my Son, in whom I find happiness, in whom I delight, who is my beloved, however you want to translate it. God is thrilled uh, with his son and delights in him. This is a redoing of creation in this moment. Christ is taking uh, what has been chaos and turmoil and bringing order and light. I wish that was the end of the story. I wish Jesus just showed up and things were good our congregational care list is long. Uh, I know some of the struggles many of you have. I know the things going on in your life. I know the things going on in the lives of your friends and your family and your neighbors. Uh, Things still are chaotic, aren't they? It would have been nice if Jesus had just shown up, snapped his fingers, and... uh, Heaven had come down to earth and all things were made new and there was no more pain and sorrow and there were no more tears. But instead, the very next thing that happens is Jesus is taken out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We can lose ourselves in the chaos or we can look to the light as we wait for chaos to be finally uh, destroyed. We can uh, We can suffer alone. We can turn to that one right next to us who bears the light of Christ in, uh, in your life. We can, uh, we can decide that we're too much and our mess is too difficult uh, or we can fall apart with those who love us and will care for us. Uh, we can be a church that insists on you having it all together before you show up. Or we can be a church that says, come, come, <sighs> I long for the day when chaos is gone. But I look to the God who is bringing order. Harper Monahan, I love you. Our TV is not working. And uh, Peter warned me that he was scared because I couldn't see a clock while I was preaching. And so Harper has gone analog and is writing down my time and handing it up in ways that I can see. He gave me the 10-minute warning. Um, I looked. I could do a whole talk on Harper and the way in which he reveals the light of Christ. Um, I could do this for almost every one of you. Some of you I don't know well enough yet, um, but this is an epiphany group of people. Um, I adore Harper, and I adore you. I adore how uh, these very acts that happened in Christ's baptism are now gifts to us. While we sit in the chaos, heaven is open to us. We don't have to go to a priest (laughs) We don't have to go anywhere. The very Spirit of God dwells with us. And the same God who delighted in their Son taking on flesh delights in every one of us. I've gotten where my prayer is getting more and more narrow, and it happened during the pandemic. We prayed three times a day for, uh, what, two and a half years? Uh, And the morning group is still going, and they would take more people if you want to pray with them. Uh, But my prayer uh, honed in on to God pour out your grace upon us that we might Grow in love of you and love of our neighbor, and that in and through, uh, in and through us the world might see your face. And friends, uh, in a chaotic world, you are the light of Christ. This is not a thing we uh, have to manufacture or conjure up. It's not a thing that you have to get uh, all right and uh, be in a, like an a advanced-level disciple before it happens. Uh, you... You image bearer, God delights in you and shines his light through you. May God pour out his grace in mighty ways that you might grow in love of him, that you might grow in love of each other and that in and through you the world might see his face. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen.